Welcome to Mystical Musings, May 13, 2012, in the library of the Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest point in the Mile High City with the local Myron McClellan <laughs> and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual but not religious are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred in America today. Thank you for joining us, for creating our community of mystics, people who seek to obtain unity with the deity, the great spirit, the Tao, and who believe in the spiritual apprehension of truths that are beyond the intellect. I am because we are. I am because we are one celebrating body and spirit. A very happy, blessed Mother's Day to all the mothers in the audience here, in the congregation, in the community. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you, thank you, thank you, mothers. Thank you for our gestation, for carrying us. Thank you. Thank you for the greatest gift that can be bestowed, the gift of life. Thank you. Thank you, mothers. Thank you. Thank you, mothers, for the care and affection that you bestowed upon us. Thank you, mothers, for your essential nurturance, your caregiving, your affection. Thank you. Some of us today may be of the school of being mother challenged. 
This is the Rodney Dangerfield School of Motherhood. My mother had morning sickness after I was born. <laughs> my, never, my mother never breastfed me. She told me she only liked me as a friend. <laughs> my mother buried three husbands, and two of them were just napping. <laughs> when the Dalai Lama first came to America, he led a seminar for psychotherapists on the relationship with the mother. <laughs> oh, sorry, you got infectious over there. <laughs> when the Dalai Lama first came to America, he led a seminar for psychotherapists on the relationship with the mother. <clears throat> As the processes unfolded in short order, the room was filled with wailing and shrieking. And the Dalai Lama was astonished because in Tibet, the mother is the being of veneration. In America, the mother-child relationship can sometimes be the catalyst for therapy. <laughs> so whether yours was easier or more challenged in the relationship with the biological mother, as mystics, we honor and celebrate the mother without and the mother within. And so today, we distinguish some of the many facets of motherhood. How are we mothers to ourselves? How, how am I a mother to myself? A good mother, nurturing mother. How do I provide care and affection that in some instances might have been missing from our essential outer world primary relationship? How do I give to myself what I did not receive? How do I mother myself? How are we, and how are we not, patient with ourselves? How do we act kindly and protectively of ourselves? How do we parent ourselves? So, as many of you know, we've been studying the book by Diane Collins called Do You Quantum Think? And so today, probably for the last time in the musings, uh, for me, I'm going to talk a little bit about the quantum mother. So let's distinguish that which gives nurturance, care, even affection to ourselves. There are basically, in the course of our days, five daily lived functional mothers, providing nurturance or not for ourselves, our feeling hearts as expressed with our emotions, our sensing bodies, our thoughtful minds, our reaching spirit as reflected in our connection to the mystic source, and our dynamic embodiment, that is our capacity to move, and more specifically, to learn to move better. Each of these provides possible nurturance. Each of these is a functional mother for each of us. Let's make contact with our functional mothers now the nurturing of conscious sensing and aware moving. Notice how you're sitting right now. It might be easier to notice such things with the eyes closed for a little while. I invite that if you wish. Notice in your sitting, is there a way to sit more comfortably? What shifting would you do to be yet more comfortable at this moment? Letting go of any, any extra holding anywhere in your body especially in the jaw, 
we hold so much tension in our jaws, especially in our breathing. The breath, spiritus from the Latin, our connection to spirit, is through the portal of the breathing. Noticing the settling in and the sense of contact with the ground. How the ground supports you at your pelvis through the chair. Notice the sense of the breathing around your belly in the umbilicus. The connection to the mother, even to the cosmic mother. Sourcing at this moment. Connection the breathing. Very gently, ever so invitingly, allowing yourself from as low as possible, even at the knees, to begin the least turning from side to side and just sensing the turning, just sensing the turning, breathing and noticing the turning from side to side ever so slightly. Going through the middle point with a glide, just the least effort. And getting a sense of, can you turn your head from your belly as if the knee was being pushed backwards to facilitate even the slightest sense of one hip pressing into the chair, generating a little bit of a turn on one side and a little bit of a turn on the other ever so slightly, just entering into spirit through the temple of the body with a gentle ease of moving. And feel it from within. Feel it from inside. We know in all of the mystic learning, the answers are within. <coughs> and just noticing, you can even think the movement. You don't even have to actually move but you can even imagine the turning and you begin to fire the neurons and the muscle fibers connected with the pattern. 
If there's any effort, reduce that effort and make it easier. Nurture yourself in the action pattern with ease, comfort, patience. In this way, using movement, we begin to become a mother to ourselves, taking deeply care that we move with ease rather than our habituated tendencies, which tend to be over-efforting and trying hard and holding tension. Now, as you diminish the range, diminish the range of the turning by halves. So each time you turn to one side, you go half as far. And then you turn to the other side and go half as far. And in short order, you begin to create a movement that's extremely tiny, but still turning by halves initiated at your pelvis from the big muscle groups, even
so great to see so many fabulous mothers here today. Peg is our kind of ideal of a mother, and, um, and she has brought three of her four children in the flesh and the other in the spirit. And you have brought your future mother-in-law and father-in-law, your future husband here. Future as in a week. As in a few days, <laughs> yes. So, um, and then Diana has brought her son and granddaughter. She's also one of our favorite mothers. And Lenny, who is the mother to our adopted granddaughters, goddaughters. So, and Diane Wilson, thank you for bringing Nathan. <laughs> we don't know what we would do without this guy in our lives, honestly, and Mel too. But there are wonderful mothers here. I could name, go through many of you. So we're very honored that you're choosing to spend Mother's Day with us. And we're sad about the passing of your mother, Diane. Um, you know, she was someone I knew for many years, loved very deeply. And um, I'm so grateful to her for bringing us you and Sherry. The last time I actually saw Wilma was that amusing. Yeah, and we were over um, in the Highlands. Yeah, so I think she's here today too. Absolutely. So, in any case, it's wonderful to see everyone in the flesh. Many of you were with me in spirit in Brazil. I'm sure that's true of Lupi, who was with me in the flesh in Brazil. And we got to have a great hug while we were down there. A very nice connection. Many of you here are new to um, the musings, and so I want to explain a couple of things. One is we have been talking, as Lawrence said, quite a bit about quantum metaphysics. And there is an emphasis in that metaphysics on the energy of the field, the electromagnetic field and the subtle energy field. So everything takes place in a certain kind of field. So the music that I play here comes out of the field that's created by this particular constellation of people. So we think of it as being co-created by everyone who is here because I don't, I cannot play the music the way that I do if there were anyone else here. So the music is meant to be very personal and it is meant to help us open both our hearts and our minds and actually on our bodies as well. So I want to speak a little bit now about music, about sacred music. I am going to read my comments because after my experience in Brazil, where I was with John of God, with Megan's brother, and Mariah's husband, who took 
exquisite care of me. <laughs> I don't think I could even carry a water bottle, much less a pack. And they showed up, and when I got sick, Gabe was the first one on the scene and got it all together. So I, uh, I, I'm very happy to see all of you again in the flesh because I saw many of you there in spirit. So again, if you haven't been here before, I've just been to a place called the Casa of John of God, Casa de Gidorm Inacio, for, for um, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual healing and enhancement. So it's in the context of that as well that my first comments are being made. So about the music. The great Sufi mystic Hazrat Inayat Khan, who wrote extensively about the mystical arts, said this of sacred music. Music is the picture of our beloved. The picture of our beloved. The picture of God, Goddess. That's the way God, Goddess, pictures itself for him is in music. Andrew Harvey said, sacred music is a profound expression of adoration. This adoration continues into the holy silence that follows the last note we hear. That holy silence takes us into the heart of God and into the silent mind of the beloved. There is a knowing we receive from music that is a knowing that transcends words and concepts and ideas and projections. It is a certain knowledge of truth and beauty and joy and wonder. And so we open now to gratitude to the Creator for the profound spiritual gift of sacred music and gratitude that we can together as a community open to receive this grace and know that it is meant as a blessing to us and as instruction. We can hear in music not only the celebration of life and love, but also the suffering we must go through to open our hearts and minds and bodies to receive those gifts of divine grace. Again, Andrew Harvey said to me, it is a new kind of music. It is music that takes us to the heart of God. It takes us to the heart of God through great suffering. Music speaks to our wholeness. It speaks to the deep human desire to know pure light and to stay aware of universal suffering. It helps us to hold them both at the same time our joy, and our compassion. At the Casa of John of God on my more recent visit, I was shown much more of the suffering side of life and was given the horrifying gift of experiencing that suffering in my body, mind, heart, and spirit. I felt my own suffering throughout the ages and then the suffering of us all from the beginning until now. The experience was profoundly painful and also cleansing and edifying. 
have encouraged me to turn toward my own suffering and toward the suffering of us all to offer blessings and healing. You invited me to call in the light to flood myself and our planet with a certain knowledge of redemption. Suffering is not the last word. Joy and fulfillment and celebration of all that is, is the gift we receive for ourselves and others. And if that entails suffering, as it does in this world of duality, then so be it. At the end of the suffering, at the moments we attain the wonder and unspeakable joy of bathing in the divine presence, we are able and indeed eager to say, it was all worth it. I hope that those of you who joined me in the quantum game of non-local influence were in some sense blessed by the prayers made for you in the sacred portals of, Dom, of the Casa of Don Ignacio, as John of God's compound is named. I could feel your presence, sometimes see your faces, and the faces unknown to me of the ones you are offering up for healing, and I could feel you deeply in my heart. I went to the portals many times a day to take your prayers for healing with me, and I always felt, thank you so much, your prayers for me and my healing as well. I cannot tell you how filled with love I was for you and from you. Truly, we made this journey together, and I hope that now and in the weeks and months ahead, we will know that our prayers are indeed being answered. We are all such deep companions on the journey to the light. And to know that, to feel that so deeply while I was in Brazil was a huge blessing. And I'm more grateful than ever for the love and support we offer one another, for the prayers we say for one another, as we do our best to live as close to the light as we possibly can. I do so love and appreciate us all. Namaste. If any of you should have problems hearing me in the back, if you just raise your hand, I'll know to speak up. There are 221 days before the winter solstice of 2012 the point at which, for the ancient Mayans, time ends as we know it. And increasingly, for many on Earth, it's a time for the rebirth of the vision of humanity's transformation, a planetary birth day. Mama Gaia is giving birth. Since we live in an observer-created reality, one of the primary tenets of the quantum thinking, a quantum reality, which reality would you like to create? Doomsday or the Great Shift? Doomsday, Great Shift. <laughs> Remembering that in the quantum world, nothing is fixed. Everything is in continual flux. Everything is malleable. Our meanings and prophecies can change. We can change the future. The old world view limits our experiences of life the new world quantum view expands our experiences. So in that vein, 
as many of you know, I have been looking for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. Should any of you come upon such things, please feel free to email me. Uh, in the overwhelming negativity of the current media, finding incipient evidence for mass positive transformation is for me one of the delights of the week or the month. So I've got two offerings to you today for incipient evidence for mass positive transformation came to me in a recent New York Times Sunday Review article entitled Nanotechnology Shockwaves, which speaks of a recent breakthrough. A team at the University of Exeter in England has invented the lightest, supplest, most diaphanous material ever made for conducting electricity, a dream textile which could revolutionize electronics by making it fashionable to wear your computer, cell phone, and MP3 player. Only one atom thick. It's the ideal fabric for street clothes and couture lines alike. <laughs> Everyone could start up the laptop by plugging it into your jeans, recharging your cell phone by plugging it into your T-shirt. Incipient evidence for mass positive transformation, number one. Number two, a little closer to home. From a recent article in The Economist indicating how rapidly attitudes toward gay people are changing in business. Some 86% of Fortune 500 firms now ban discrimination on the basis of sexual or orientation, up from 61% in 2002. In early February, Lloyd Blankfein, the boss of Goldman Sachs, has accepted an invitation from the Human Rights Campaign, a gay organization, to become its first corporate spokesman for gay nuptials. And seven big companies, including Microsoft and Nike, have written Congress to support the idea relative to just a few years ago, truly incipient evidence for mass positive transformation. Now, returning to the realm of the embodied temple us, our bodies, our experiences right now. You have one way that you just found a little while ago to come to your zero point. So now even if your legs are crossed, doesn't matter. Don't even change. Just do it in the moment. You're turning from side to side, initiated at the pelvis. The turning comes up through your spine. Head and eyes respond lastly. Now diminish by halves and go a little less to one side, a little less to the other side, Pelvis leading, little less, little less, little less, little less, little less. Now you're in your zero point. The shift can happen very rapidly, especially using the embodied temple. We circumvent the thinking mind and come right into the experience of one of the primary functional mothers, movement. If we did not move when we were infants, we would be brain injured for life. By moving, we learn the essential mothering support offered to us by the ground, by our relationship to gravity. From our centers, we have directly perceived a sense of our one point from which we can very easily move into our zero point the one point, that place below the umbilicus, couple inches, our center of gravity, 
behooves us to move as much as we can from that place in whatever activity we're engaged in. From that place of the one point, we come into the zero point. That state that transcends attachment and automatic, unconscious, habitual mechanical pathways. The zero point is the state that takes us beyond compulsive, thoughtless actions and beyond obsessive, divisive beliefs. The zero point is the state free of fixed, arbitrary conclusions about the way things are. In this pure state of, in this pure conscious state, we experience a quantum moment, a clear light experience, the light of awareness. In other words, the zero point state is the mother of all states of being, a quantum mother, if you will. Having a clear sense of the one point provides access to our zero point, the source, the great mother. We step now into this place of deep nurturance, deep mothering. When we go through the portal of conscious embodied movement, here we are in the deep stillness that is empty but is not nothing. Remembering there's more potential energy in one cubic centimeter of empty space than in the mass energy of the entire visible universe. Hence the felt, experienced power of nothing could be the most important thing we distinguish to access our power to create. The highly potentiated great nothing is the quantum mother, the source from which creation emerges, the source of all nurturance, all mothering. And so here we are, resting, nestling in the embrace of the quantum mother. Now what? This is where the mother and father principles meet and plant a seed. Out of the great nothing comes our heart's desire. What is your heart's desire right now? In your heart of hearts, what do you most want right now to do, to be, to have? Out of the great mothering field of infinite possibilities, may we each embrace our heart's desire. May we each be embraced by our heart's desire. May we mother our seeds. Peace be with you. Namaste.
for those of you who are new to us, we have been speaking this year about the events that are predicted to happen on December 21st, 2012. These are events that have been predicted by the Mayans, by the Egyptians, by Hopis, and by astronomers and astrologers who talk about an extraordinary configuration that is to be happening at that time. We have been thinking about it as a great awakening, as a period of time in which we can become closer to ourselves and to the Divine Presence. And we have been, from the quantum perspective, sending from our heart toward 2012, out into the future, from a heart in love and peace, blessings and joy toward that time, feeling that we want to participate in creating what is to arrive then from our hearts and with love, joy, and peace. We want to participate. We don't want to just wait and see what's going to happen. We want to take part in it. We want to be a part of what is, we are told is coming to us. So I want to speak about that event, that December 21st event, in terms of mothering. So Barbara Marks Hubbard, who is taking a leading role in preparing us for the changes we pray for at this radically evolutionary time on our planet, has compared the winter solstice event of 2012 to the birth of a new child. She encourages us to parent the child in an enlightened way. She speaks to us as mothers and fathers of a new awakening. I've not myself heard her on the topic, uh, Victoria reported it to me, the idea to me, so I can t can't tell you what she says about parenting. But I want to share with you my own thoughts about how we might parent our new child. And because it's Mother's Day, I will be focusing primarily on how we act as conscious mothers of the newborn we are welcoming all this year. Ask you in advance to forgive me if I make statements about mothering that are too general and simplistic, but I want to make the points as clearly as I can. They are yours, as always, to agree with or disagree with. I only ask that you set aside for the moment your own experiences with your mothers and with your mothering. This is not personal, this is about principles. Mothers we all know nurture and feed and protect and care for their offspring in a most tender and deeply instinctive way. They seem to have an inborn knowledge of how best to care for their young. They pray for their babies that they will find their own way, that they will follow their hearts and live a life of joy and fulfillment. They step back for their own from their own specific wishes for the kind of life they want for their child in order to allow the little one to develop in his or her own way. They grant freedom. They support 
freedom of self-expression. They model that freedom by living their own lives in as authentic a way as they can. This is enlightened mothering. And this is how we want to mother the child that is coming our way. Not to make demands on it, not to make it be what we want it to be, but to allow it to be the child. Because if this is indeed a new awakening, then this is a new child. This is new. This is tender and new. And so we want to, to mother it in an enlightened way. So that's the enlightened mother. And then there is the other kind of mother, uh, or mothering. Um, and here I could make some generalizations that are offensive, but please know they are not by any of us personally. And also know that I want to make what I think are important considerations for us to have as we think about the winter solstice coming as a child we need to parent. I also need to say in advance that when I talk about the bad mothering, I'm not making judgments on people or on people's perspectives. One of the things we learn from quantum thinking is that there is room for all kinds of different perspectives and all kinds of different viewpoints. And we allow and open to all of them. Mothers can be controlling. They can think that they and they alone know what is right for the child. They can insist that the child conform to their exact expectations. I see this kind of mothering happening in many 2012 emails I receive that seem to say, this is what is to happen on December 21st, 2012. I'm certain of it. And if it does not happen that way, I'm going to be very, 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 very disappointed. <laughs> you, my child, are going to break your mother's heart. If you are not what I'm telling you, you need to be down to the smallest detail. This is an exaggeration, of course, but I'll bet you have received very, from various spiritual teachers and spiritual groups messages that have this particular energy. Much of it purports to be channeled from the highest sources and very, may, very well may be and may, may be right. Okay, I don't want to judge, criticize, put down, or, but I think that we need to take into consideration what our own feelings are about that time and whether we, from our standpoint, want to control it so it can be what we want it to be rather than opening up to what it wants to be. Another mothering principle I see in abundance on DVDs, this is again the bad mother, and on the internet is the principle of a child's purpose in life is to take care of his or her mother. Uh-huh, the nervous laughs in here. Uh, in any case, so uh, 2012 is supposed to be taking care of me. I am not interested in what it does for others, just what it does for me, and possibly for those who believe the way I do. So often I read postings that claim that only the deep spiritual Deeply spiritual people will benefit from the changes that are coming. And the fundamentalists, Baptists, non-believers, whatever, are out of luck. <laughs> so what? This is about your mother. This is about me. I am the one because of all my devotion and hard work and awakened awareness that this event is meant especially 
and specifically for. I read that quite a bit. And again, um, it may be true, but it really does violate the principles of good mothering. The good mother, I think, would respond the way Mother Gaia, Mother Mary, the Black Madonna do by saying the changes are meant for all. Do I really think the Divine Mother loves me more than anyone else, even if I have worshipped at her feet all these years? Do I think that I am so special and so deserving that I will be among the sheep separated from the goats? Really, only the mother who thinks her child is in existence to take care of her can think this way about the coming child, about the coming awakening. Mothers can also and often do take it personally. If the child is other than what she envisioned for him or her, it is all my fault. I so often hear from mothers, the child is not turning out the way I had planned for the child to turn out. And I am plagued by a guilt that only a mother can know. Mother guilt is rife on our planet right now, I can tell you. And so if we take this stance about the child that is to be given us, we can end up feeling hurt and inadequate and deeply disappointed in ourselves. Why didn't we pray more often and more intensely for this event to be as life-changing for the planet as I had hoped it would be? It's my fault. My fault. The child doesn't turn out the way I want it to be. I can only blame myself. The good mother would say to you, I think, all you can do is your best. You have held beautiful, joyful intentions for a great awakening. Now you have to let it be what it is ultimately meant to be. You have to let it arrive as it does. Be who it is here to be. Transcend your expectations and attend to the baby as it is, not as what you wanted it to be. You are not responsible for your child's destiny. You have done your best to create something wonderful for us all. Please rest in that knowledge and leave the rest to the Divine Mother. Now we must ask, if only briefly, what the role of the good father is in all of this. The bad father is pretty much the same as the bad mother, so I won't belabor that point. But the role of the masculine is the left brain role, the role of practicality, worldly knowledge, reason, sobriety, and detachment. It is the part of us that sets boundaries and limits and introduces the crucial principle of questioning intuitive assumptions. In matters spiritual, it is the part that says, Science shows us that the earth revolves around the sun and night, not vice versa, as your religion would claim. It is a healthy skeptic in us. And we so need to bring the healthy skeptic into our parenting of the new child. That part is missing in so many of the 2012 proclamations, the ones that I hear that claim omniscience because they are Distant star people from more advanced civilizations often raise in me the father principle of skepticism. Not that I don't believe in star people, I most certainly do. But I doubt that they are the ones, as some claim, that are calling the shots. As far as the transformation is concerned, my own feeling is that it is the eternal father and the eternal mother 
who bring about the transformations. By now, I feel sure you recognize that we are all, no matter what our gender, both mothers and fathers, and that we want to do our best to parent the expected one with grace and awareness. But in our day, I feel it is important that the mothers lead the way and the fathers support them in that. Just before the service began, Peter was saying, I just support Peg. I just am there, for, let her do all the mother. I just, well, you know, I'll stand behind her and support her and write the checks. <laughs> <laughs> Another way of saying this is that instinct leads and practicality follows and supports and modifies in appropriate ways what our feminine intuition is telling us. A very succinct and beautiful way of saying what I am trying to get at is ironically not from modern writings, but from one of the oldest writings we know of, namely the Tao Te Ching. I want to read you a quote and comment on it as it introduces the final principle I believe can be very useful as we think about the coming times and how we can prepare ourselves and mothers, as mothers and fathers for its advent. Lao Tzu writes, he who understands the masculine and keeps to the feminine shall become the whole world's channel. Eternal virtues shall not depart from him, and he shall return to the state of the infant. We shall return to the state of an infant, the infant who is innocent, who is constantly in a state of not knowing, who is open to all that is, deeply trusting that it is what is good for him or her. And so the final element. We, we approach the coming times not only as responsible mothers and fathers, but also as open-hearted, open-minded children, not knowing what is to come, but trusting fully in its goodness and beneficence, and welcoming it as the child does, with a smile on the face and arms wide open, here to receive whatever blessings the new awakening has to offer. He who understands the masculine and keeps to the feminine shall become the whole world's channel. Eternal virtues shall not depart from him, and he shall return to the state of an infinite, to the state of the infant. This quote is on my Mother's Day card to all of you. That in the greeting, happy Mother's Day, everyone. Namaste. I love you. <clears throat> Walk with me now into the garden of earthly delights. I invite you to let your eyes get heavy, to let the lids come down, if you wish. Let us step into Mother Nature's abode. 
As we amble amid the splendor, we notice the beauty, the magnificent mountain views that we love so much here in Colorado. We hear the sweet bird sound, taking in the fragrances of springtime, we notice an appetite building with our hiking as we sense the ground rising to meet each step. We feel our fingers reach to tighten the pack and we notice a whole body sense of delight, even wonder. With a multi-sensory awareness, we enter the garden of the mother and we come upon a portal, an elf-like doorway at the base of a giant spruce, beckoning our curiosity to wander into the deeper realms. And so down and down we go along a safe spiral stairway, noticing sparkling rose quartz and amethyst dotting the walls, twinkling within their gentle urgings toward the deeper realms while descending. We are feeling a huge wonder at this earth mystery. Breathing. Just a little more fully. Breathing. Descending. Going deeply down, down, down. we begin to feel an unusual light. We emerge onto a field, a massive, waving, weak kind of field as far as the eye can see. All this immensity lighted from a mysterious golden inner glow. And so we happen upon the field of infinite possibilities and we revel in delight. We cavort amid the imminent birthing of it all. What is our heart's desire? Right now, in this sacred moment, what do I most want in my life? Deeply nurturing these heart feelings and finding whether they're meant to be intent and purpose or focus and practice. Are your heart feelings becoming seeds of action? Some of them. One of them. At this level, we get to choose. We get to create our lives, co-creating our living Here, deep in the underworld of Mama Gaia, we contemplate the embrace of the Quantum Mother. Here in the field of whatever possibility we most want to evoke, to call forth, to bring back to the surface, back into the physical dimension. So contemplate well, returning as many times as we need to. Here the Quantum Mother embraces us. Here in the field of infinite possibility, infinite intelligence, non-local connectivity, the quantum mother embraces us, gives us care and affection as we contemplate what we really want in our lives. And so at one point, this deeply felt heart's desire crystallizes into an emerald seed, 
radiant from within a velvet green healing, healing seed containing all the DNA of your heart's desire that you most want to make manifest. And this emerald seed you get to put in a small leather bag hanging around your neck at the heart level. As you begin to reverse the journey, back, home, back into the physical dimension. Taking the transformative nurturance of the quantum mother, the earth mother, the mothers within and without. Carrying this immersion in care and affection back into the densities of the worldly dimension. Slowly and steadily ascending the spiral stairway, gemstones twinkling our way home. Holding dear the seed of intent, soon to be planted and tended, cared for as we would be cared for, nurtured. And returning to the surface, we feel the radiance of the sun upon our skin, the sacred breezes whispering sweet harmonies and encouraging possibilities be made real, be evoked into the world of earthly delights, our destiny co-created and deeply enlivened. Emily Dickinson so eloquently tells us, Nature, the gentlest mother is, impatient of no child, the feeblest or the waywardest, her admonition mild. In forest and the hill, by traveler be heard, restraining rampant squirrel or too impetuous bird. How fair her conversation! a summer afternoon, her household, her assembly, and when the sun go down. Her voice amongst the aisles incite the timid prayer of the minutest cricket, the most unworthy flower. When all the children sleep, she turns as long away as will suffice to light her lamps, then bending from the sky. With infinite affection, an infiniter care, her golden finger on her lip, wills silence everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste.